Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My question is to uh, um, Sayyid uh, Naveed. Um, I've got a couple of questions, if, if, if that's very enlightening, uh, in light of what he um, presented to us. Um, the first thing is, um, Muawiyah's, is Muawiyah's stance and the justifications that he gave um, have, um, are there any opinions regarding the stance that he gave and the justification he, um, he, would, um, he gave from a Sharia perspective that he would rebel over the rightly appointed uh, Khalif of, of his time in regards to the Sharia ru rulings of Khilafat? And uh, my second um, question would be um, from Imam Ali's perspective, um, as you can see, he was adamant to continue fighting. Um, and opposing Muawiyah and calling his troops to continually fight uh, Muawiyah, is that also what's this uh, Sunni? Is he justified from uh, a Sunni perspective in doing so? Also, thank you. Please go ahead, Sayyid Nabi. The first question: the stance of uh, Muawiyah, uh, whatever uh, it was that uh, hand over uh, to us the assassins of Usman uh, he just uh, uh, gave this reason and uh, his excuse for not doing the bayah to the Khalifa and he also that uh, uh, alleged uh, that he is uh, Ali عنه, that uh, uh, one of them or at least he is their supporter and uh, the assassins are the supporter uh, of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So uh, it was his uh, stance. So now, uh, whatever he said, so according to Sunni school of thought, they accept uh, him or his argument uh, as his uh, ijtihad. They will they just say like that, uh, that he thought like that, he thought uh, in this way that the things should go uh, like that. So, but uh, according to Sharia, uh, he was supposed to uh, do the bayah to Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu because he was elected uh, in the city of Prophet sallallahu and by the, uh, you can say the majority of the great uh, Sahaba uh, which was at that time the electoral college uh, for this reason. So, uh, but he did not listen to that. So, but the according to Sunni school of thought, that this is uh, his excuse, that it was his ijtihad and he did uh, wrong ijtihad. So, but it was not deliberate. I think uh, I tried to answer the question if I understood properly what uh, the respected scholar wanted to ask. So, but uh, they say that he was wrong, but whatever he did, it was wrong. He was not supposed to do that. But again, they gave him allowance that it was under the umbrella of ijtihad. So that is the big umbrella. Everything can be covered under that. Thank you, Sayyid David. I think the second part of the question was, uh, what's the Sunni view with regards to Imam Ali's stance to, you know, insist on continuing fighting Muawiyah and the Syrians? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, about this, uh, uh, they have no problem about that. They, as a caliph, it was his responsibility to uh, bring uh, peace uh, uh, in the uh, in all of the uh, kingdom of uh, Islam at, at that time, uh, and bring everyone under the banner of Islam. So Muawiyah, uh, he was not listening and uh, he was uh, rebelling. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he also had prophecies again from Prophet sallallahu ta'ala wasallam that uh, as he said that our time will come that Ali will fight with the people on the Taweel of Quran. As Prophet ﷺ himself, he fought uh, the people uh, on the Tanzil of Quran. Right, so Ali who knew that. And uh, again, uh, the other hadith 
which is in uh, yeah right now it is not in front of me but i think it is in mustadrak alil hakim and uh, musannaf abdur razak as well i think so okay, the ali radiyallahu ta'ala is going to fight with the uh, naqisin and qasitin and those who go uh, beyond the atat of the uh, rightfully elected uh, khalifa the revolters so he's going to do that so that was his responsibility in the light of hadith and also uh, from the quran surah al hujurat bain taifatan min al mu'minin tatlu fasli bainahuma fa in baghat ikhdahuma ala al ukhra fa qatilu allati tabghi hatta tafiya ila amrillah so according uh, to this uh, this ayah as well ali radiyallahu ta'ala who had all the right uh, to fight against uh, the forces of muawiya Uh, to say Nabi uh, Sayyid Nabi Shah Sahab, uh, this uh, connotation is that you know we have to look at the issue of Sifin that within Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah uh, the opinions vary. The predominant view within the Sunni school predominantly is that Imam Ali, which is an ijma'ah, uh, is that Imam Ali was on haq and opposing him. Anyone that opposed him uh, was a transgressor. That is why Imam uh, At-Taftazani in his Shar al-Aqaid clearly states that it's a sentence about yani, ala Are we allowed to curse Muawiyah? For what reason? Because Imam, then Imam Taftazani clearly says because he went against the Imam, the rightful leader. Uh, does, he, does he deserve such cursing? And, and the answer to that was no. But Imam Taftazani clearly says that he was a Baghi. He was someone that transgressed against Imam Ali. Uh, Ibn Hajr Al-Sqalani says it in his Patul Bari. Imam, Imam Al-Aini, Badruddin Aini in his Umdut Al-Qari very clearly, explicitly says that those people that went against Imam Ali, alayhi salam, specifically in Sifin, uh, were transgressors. So that's a very clear point you have to make. Another point which was not highlighted because of time, obviously, and because Sayyid Naveed, it was his first time presenting here, was why was Abu Musa al-Ash'ari chosen? That wasn't the choice of Imam Ali. The choice of Imam Ali was Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. That was a, that, yani we say in Urdu, Badi bin Safi huyti. That was a massive injustice to Imam Ali, that they forced upon Imam Ali, that they should choose uh, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari. And we know Abu Musa al-Ash'ari had, had major differences with Imam Ali. They did not actually get on. And the other point I would say very quickly, and then this one point, uh, and I will conclude, I know every, uh, there are other people that want to uh, make points, was that if we look at Sifin, this argument, and this is something which I really <laughs> can't sleep at night time sometimes, when people come and use the pretext that it's khatai ijtihadi, or it's ijtihad, it was just a difference of opinion. No, it wasn't. Fighting someone on a battlefield, killing people, Cursing Amir al-Mu'mineen from the member for 80 years, starting from him. Killing Hujr bin Adi radiallahu anhu. Merging the supporters and the, of Imam Ali alayhi salam and, 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 and changing the sunnah. This isn't khatai ijtihadi. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Usuliyun perspectives, and this is for my respectful scholars, uh, Sayyid Ahmed bin al-Sadiq al-Ghumari rahimallahu ta'ala, the great muhaddith and our grand sheikh from Morocco, he in his book Burhanul Jalil clearly states that the argument about ijtihad originated during the Abbasid period. It wasn't an early view of the Salaf Salihun. It wasn't their view. And secondly, when you say it's khatai ijtihadi, the point is an usul principle, which I mentioned many times, is that when uh, an ijtihad is in conflict with Nasir Rasul, the ijtihad becomes invalid clearly. So we can't accept that argument and say that, yes, Muawiyah fought for whatever reason, but it was Qatai ijtihadi. I think that's a massive injustice to Imam Ali. It's a massive, what I would call, 
intellectual dishonesty to what really happened in Sifin. It was two parties, one party, and I conclude with this point, two parties, one was the party of Haq, Imam Ali, who fought for Allah, who, whose virtues I don't need to mention, and there was another individual who wanted power. It was power hunger. It had nothing to do with the killing of Uthman. And I think we as Sunnis should be very vocal and we shouldn't be ashamed of mentioning these agendas. Jazakumul uh, khair. Thank you very much, Dr. Bujani. Beautiful. David, you want to comment? Do you want to make any comment in response to that? Uh, no, just I would like to say that Jazakallah uh, Khair, uh, big thank to uh, Sheikh. Uh, uh, he is right that uh, the majority, overwhelming majority is uh, on this side. Uh, but the, again, the majority, they don't want to say, use the word of uh, uh, Baghi uh, uh, or, or to do the Lana about, about uh, Muawiyah. Uh, so there are some uh, exceptional cases, as the Sheikh mentioned. They say that, but still, uh, what I feel that the majority of the Ahlul Sunnah, all Sunni, uh, Sunni school of thoughts, uh, they threw out the history, and even now, uh, they don't want to listen uh, these words about Muawiyah. Okay, they, they, it was khata and khata ijtihadi. But what is my uh, personal opinion? That is something else. But as I uh, as I understood that, I was going to. Uh, present uh, the Sunni school of thought. So that is, uh, I tried to say the things within those boundaries. So Jazakumullah Khair. Sayyid Hamid al-Husseini, you have your hand raised, please. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back uh, on this uh, forum. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And many thanks and gratitude to our esteemed, esteemed scholars here. And uh, I'd like to raise uh, a few points. Um, some of these uh, I sort of raised in the last session about the uh, battle of uh, Jamal. So I will not go into detail about those the narrations that uh, the Prophet وسلم, commanded Imam Ali to fight the Naqithin and Qasitin and Mariqin. Al Hakim al Nishaburi, we had a narration in Sahih Muslim that uh, the uh, pledge of the Prophet to Imam Ali is that no one loves him except that he's a mu'min. No one hates him except that he's a hypocrite. And also in the Mustadrak al-Hakim al-Nishaburi, the narration that is correct to the uh, criteria of Bukhari and Muslim is that the Prophet told Imam Ali and Hassan and Hussein and Fatima and said, I am at war with whoever is at war with you and at peace with whoever is at peace with you. Now, there's multiple other narrations that we could go into. For example, the Prophet saying, if you ever see Muawiyah on, on the pulpit, then you should kill him, etc. But uh, I don't think we have the time to go into that. So I'll jump straight to the main uh, points. Um, I don't think there's any necessity here to establish, for example, um, that Muawiyah established the cursing of Imam Ali on the pulpits and that continued until uh, Omar ibn Abdul Aziz commanded that to be stopped. Um, uh, so I think it's pretty clear from listening to both uh, presentations that we're on the same page as who was on the right and who was the Baghi. Um, so the questions that I would like to raise and uh, they may stem again from the same uh, points that were raised in the last uh, uh, discussion regarding the Battle of Jamal. Is, again, we come back to Adalat al-Sahaba. Um, the narration that uh, Sayyid uh, Fadlullah, may Allah protect him, mentioned uh, this narration uh, clearly is a, is a contradiction with the concept of Adalat al-Sahaba, that uh, whoever is a Sahabi, such as, for example, uh, Muawiyah, who is the subject of this hadith, uh, here the Prophet is telling us that this person, this Sahabi, this person called Muawiyah, will be calling them to the hellfire. Uh, so how does that fit with the idea of Adalat al-Sahaba? We have also the very fact that Ammar himself the person who uh, struck him and murdered him 
uh, Abu Al-Ghadiya was himself a Sahabi, as mentioned in Al-Bidayah and Nihaya. Um, uh, so here we have a contradiction in that uh, uh, tenet of the Sunni school of thought. Now I understand, of course, that the discussion today is not uh, about Adalat al-Sahaba, but uh, as we all know, all of these discussions are intertwined and uh, interlinked. Um, as for the point raised about uh, the majority of Sunnis ref refraining or refusing to um, go further in condemning uh, Muawiyah, we've had some instances of uh, scholarly uh, accounts from the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah uh, who have gone to that extent and maybe a bit further. For example, we have uh, in the book uh, uh, Masail Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he quotes, that I heard Ali ibn al-Jad, who is uh, one of the Sunni scholars of that time, uh, and he said that Mata Allah Muawiyah ala islam That Muawiyah, I swear to Allah, he died not on Islam, because at the very least, if we uh, take the hadith of no one loves you except he's a believer, no one hates you except he's a hypocrite, leaving aside the cursing and all of that and the hatred, the very fact of fighting and waging a war against Imam Ali is far worse than any sort of verbal cursing. Um, so that's the first issue. Uh, the second issue is, again, the uh, uh, double standards when it comes to dealing with uh, those who rioted against uh, the first three, Khulafa, and those who fight against Imam Ali. Now, as uh, Sheikh uh, Ramadan and as Sayyid Naveed themselves have uh, elaborated on this point, uh, thank you very much to them both. Um, but I'd just like to stress again that why is it the case that in many uh, Sunni discourses we find that revolts against the first three Khulafa, uh, those who lead such revolts are uh, labeled as Murtaddin and cast outside the fold of Islam. But those who revolt against Imam Ali, they are excused sometimes or most of the time um, as, for example, like uh, Sheikh Ramadan mentioned, that it was a, some sort of an ijtihad and uh, they may be even rewarded for an ijtihad, even if they got the uh, answer wrong. Um, so say, we've uh, had very rare... Your, your questions are clear, actually. Thank um, you. So if I, if I could put those to some of our Sunni colleagues, um, they were both discussed um, in brief last time. Um, yes. On the issue... Before we do... Sorry... I'll allow you to conclude quickly. Yes. So um, the final and perhaps the most important point, and if you'd give me a minute on this one, uh, because perhaps this is actually the most important of, of uh, the issues, is that if we study history to the depth, we find that the influence of Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan and the Umayyads on the Sunni school of thought is extremely significant despite the clear deviances in him that we've seen, despite the wars and the bloodshed and the, the, the cursing and the murdering of plenty of the Sahaba and the war against Imam Ali, um, this issue itself needs multiple sessions like this to discuss um, certain things that Muawiyah established, such as fabricating narrations, establishing several tenets in the Sunni school of thought. And we have just one example, if I would... Uh, if, I, if I would be given the uh, opportunity to quote <laughs> Imam Ahmad ibn uh, Zuhra, Imam Ahmad, uh, Imam Muhammad Abu Zuhra, who is a Sunni faqih, a very uh, well-known contemporary, he says, لا شك أن أهل السنة قد تركوا الإمام علي. There's no doubt that أهل السنة have left Imam Ali. I'll just translate. Because Bani Umayyah used to curse him, and they used to uh, insult him. And that was a reason that we have left Imam Ali, us Ahl-Sunnah. And if we have anything about Imam Ali, then it is just a few narrations. As for the fiqh of Imam Ali, hikam of Imam Ali, his wisdom, his, his uh, sermons, um, it's unfortunate that politics has separated us from Imam Ali. This is the words of uh, Imam Muhammad Abu Zuhra. So this is a very uh, deep question. Questions, okay, um, yes. which I'll just resummarize. I know I'm cutting you off, but it's because we want to bring a conversation in. So forgive me. Yeah. Um, so I understand three three major issues. One is how to reconcile 
those types of traditions that we've, you know, each of our speakers have mentioned today, actually, the Amar Tuktalu, Fi'at al-Baghiyah, how can this be reconciled with uh, um, engagement with Muawiyah? And the issue of Adalat al-Sahaba. The issue of Adalat al-Sahaba, of course, we have discussed before, that at least in a technical sense for the Ahl sunnah this is an issue, you know, of Jarwa Ta'deel. That they consider Adalat al-Sahaba as a doctrine which is influential, okay, in terms of transmission of our hadith, rather than in a, a you know, more charismatic acknowledgement of the status of the individual, but there's no doubt that there's that influence. It would be good to hear some of our Sunni scholars' response to that first question. Second question is that, is there a, or how do we respond to an apparent double standard between those who rebelled against Imam Ali and those who rebelled against, yeah, the first three, Khulafa, and finally, if, as has come out from um, you know, the contribution so far, Muawiyah's position is recognized to be incorrect, irrespective of how that error is interpreted, how does this impact the subsequent influence of Muawiyah on Islamic thought? So I'd be very, very grateful to hear um, some of our Sunni scholars respond to that. We have you know, other of our core members from Sims who are present here. Um, maybe I can invite uh, Mufti Farooq Alawi to respond, um, or Mawlana Qiyam al-Din, uh, Please, Doctor Ali, my question is Dr. Khalid Sahib. First of all, that what both sides have been mentioned, Sunni side and Shia side, we are not set on today's talk. This is issue and 20 मिनट के अंदर एक स्कॉलर जो है वो अपना माफ जमीर बयान नहीं कर सकता वो बयान नहीं कर सकता 20 मिनट में आपको इन्हें इनफ टाइम देना चाहिए और मेरा ख्याल ये है कि इस मौजू के ऊपर दोबारा डिस्कशन जो है वो होनी चाहिए और इसके मुख्तलिफ पहलू जो रह गए हैं वो डिस्कस होने चाहिए और दूसरी बात जो मैं कहना चाहता हूं वो सैयद नवीद साहब के मुतलक है कि मैं असल के अंदर सफर में हूं और गाड़ी के अंदर मैं यह सारी गुफ्तगू सुन रहा हूं और देख रहा हूं तो हो सकता है कि कोई बात मुझसे रह गई हो लेकिन जहां तक मैं समझा हूं उन्होंने यह कहा है कि सुन्नी स्कूल ऑफ थॉट जो है डे 1 से लेकर आज तक अक्सरियत जो है वो बागी का लफ्ज मुआविया बिन सुफियान के बारे में वो सुनना नहीं चाहते सिवाय चंद एक लोगों के लेकिन अगर मैं यह सही समझा हूं तो मेरी गुजारिश यह है कि डे 1 से लेकर आज तक अहले सुन्नत का हमेशा मसलक यह रहा है कि माविया बिन अबी सुफियान और उनका गिरोह बागी था वो बागी उनको कहते भी आए हैं और तमाम हमारी हदीस की किताबों में और हमारी अक्सर उम्महातुल कुतुब जो हैं तारीख की उन सब के अंदर उसको उन्हें बागी कहा गया है ایون کے شاہ عبدالعزیز محدث دیلوی نے تو ام المومنین کو بھی باغی لکھا ہے توفہ سناشریہ میں تو اس کے اوپر کوئی ڈاؤٹ نہیں ہے کہ جمل والے ہوں یا صفین والے ہوں جو بھی حضرت علی کے مقابلے میں آیا ہے وہ باغی ہے قطع نظر اس کے کہ صحابہ میں اس کا کیا مقام تھا اور کیا نہیں تھا یہ اس وقت ڈسکس نہیں ہو رہا لیکن اکثریت اہل سنت نے ان کو باغی کہا ہے आज के दौर में जब नासबियत का अहले सुन्नत के ऊपर غلبہ ہوا ہے تو لوگ باغی کا لفظ کہنے میں ڈرنے لگ رہے ہیں اور ہچکچاہٹ محسوس کر رہے ہیں تو یہ میں ایک تو یہ چیز واضح کرنا چاہتا ہوں کہ اہل سنت میں اس کو باغی کہا گیا ہے اور دوسری میری اپ سے ایڈمن سے یہ گزارش ہے کہ اس موضوع کو پلیز دوبارہ ڈسکس کیجئے اس کے اندر بہت ساری چیزیں جو ہیں وہ سمجھنے والی ہیں اور उसको क्लियर करना जो है वो जरूरी है तो बजाय इसके के पूरा मौजू जो है वो किसी स्कॉलर को दे दिया जाए आप पॉइंट बनाए इनके कि सिफीन के मामले में ये यही चीजें हैं और फिर आप चाहे एक दिन में आप दोनों स्कॉलर्स को टाइम ना दें एक दफा एक दिन आप सुन्नी को दे दें और महीने दो महीने के बाद आप शिया को दे दें लेकिन उन्हें पूरा टाइम दें कि आप वो पूरा माफ जमीर बयान कर सके जजाकुम अल्लाह खैर Thank you, Mufti Saab. I will, I will do my best to translate a summary of the comments which our respected Mufti Saab has, has made to bring 
our colleagues into the conversation. Firstly, he insisted that um, the 20 minutes time which we afforded to our two speakers is too short to um, engage deeply with this sophisticated question. And I think um, many of the topics which we have engaged with over the last five, six years have proved to be the case. But inshallah, hopefully this is still a good platform for us to move forward. So he's requested that we have further sessions focusing on Sifin. His second point, which I think is very important for me to try to translate, and, and we can hear Sayyid Nafid's response to this, he said that if he understood Sayyid Nafid correctly, then in Sayyid Nafid's view, the majority of the Ahl sunnah don't use the term baghi or transgressor, okay, as applicable to Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan. Mufti Farooq, in the strongest of terms, is disputing this. So his position quite clearly is saying that the majority of the Ahl Sunnah, okay, and the, the, uh, amongst the most important of the texts of the Ahl Sunnah from Hadith, he gave some examples from a modern fiqh, okay, have used the term Baghi, okay, for Muawiyah. He says the dominant position amongst the Ahl Sunnah is to say that anybody who fought against the rightful Imam, whether that was at Jamal or whether that was at Safin, is a and falls under the category of Baghi. In Mufti Farooq's view, it is only due to the contemporary influence of a Nasibi trend amongst the Ahl Sunnah, which has softened this view. And then finally, he went on to again encourage us to um, take a more analytical and detailed view on the number of issues which are coming out of this discussion. And we will, inshallah, take his advice very, very seriously. Okay, and look to have further discussions on these important events. So maybe I will ask Sayyid Naveed if he has any initial comments before we move over to um, further contributions. Uh, no, Jazakallah khair. Uh, I just uh, um, would uh, put this in, uh, uh, rephrase my uh, saying what I said that. Okay, actually, uh, let's say that uh, if uh, we say clearly that Muawiyah was uh, Baghi, or whoever came in front of him, especially the uh, Sahaba Ikram and Ummahatul Mu'mineen. But this Bhagavat, it is covered and blanketed with the word of Ijtihad. So that's why it is uh, saying Bagi or not saying Bagi. I think at the end it is the same. So because if you are doing the act, technically it is Bhagavat, no doubt about that. But it is covered with the blanket that, okay, it was the uh, it's the hard and they thought it in this way so that's why they did it so in in my view uh, then at the end result is that there is not much difference if you say Bawi or you don't say Bawi so when Khata is Khata so even uh, according to the Hadith if you do Khata uh, in Ijtihad so still you get one reward so it is a uh, in this regard, it is a, a bit funny to my personal opinion, but the, what I see that the uh, majority of the uh, Sunnis, they say like that. So anyway, we respect uh, whatever uh, Mufti Farooq have said. Yeah, that is there. The people are there. The, they used it. But what I was want, wanting to say, that the end result is that, that no guna upon them, so they are free because they were doing it uh, in the light of their ijtihad. So, I saw um, Sheikh Muhammad Omar, your hand went up and then went down again. Would you like to comment maybe in response to the specific question about the influence of Muawiyah um, on the thought of the Ahl Sunnah? Uh, yeah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Again, uh, there's no doubt about it. Ustad Abu Zahra al-Misri, the Egyptian scholar, did write what the respectful Sayyid mentioned. But I think what you have to also understand is within Ahl Sunnah, the fadail that we have recorded about Imam Ali alayhi salatu salam over uh, or surpasses all of the Sahaba put together. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal clearly states that in his Musnad, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah highly hold Imam Ali in high regards. We haven't left him, but what Ustad Abu Zahra was actually uh, referring to was this Nasbi mentality that the Nawasib had an influence. So Banu Umayyah definitely did have that influence of changing hadith. Uh, and, and we know the example of Imam Nisa'i, uh, when he went to Damascus, he died under the blood of Imam Ali. But what I would just say one uh, comment and I would conclude with that. Again, we have to understand, uh, like Mufti Saab said, 
that we have to, uh, this is such a vast subject. And I would, again, humbly request you and our directors at, 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 uh, at, at uh, the center at SIMS is when you present uh, a request to the speaker, maybe put bullet points that they can cover. So it can be more specifically uh, to the, the point. But what I will say again, I reiterate this point. Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah does not believe in cursing and swearing at any of the sahaba. That's a separate issue. Cursing and swearing is one thing. Sabab and la'an is one thing. And secondly, baghi is another issue. Uh, there is no dif- dispute amongst Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah. Be it from the mutakallimeen, be it from the muhaddithun, specific- specifically the, uh, the fuqaha. All the fuqaha have clearly stated when they gave examples in the books of fiqh, about the punishment of revolting against the leaders. They said an example of this is Mithal al-Mu'awiyah against Imam Ali. This was an example. Abu Hanifa even said that, that Imam Ali showed us how to deal with rebels. Ahl al-Sunnah doesn't dispute this. This is my final point. In my view, my humble opinion, Ahl al-Sunnah does not dispute at all that Mu'awiyah and his party were transgressors. Not only did they transgress against the Prophet but what happened in Sifin, in my opinion, again, I'm giving you, is a direct result of what happened in Karbala in 61 after Hijri. Jazakallah khairan. Asantum, um, thank you, um, Sheikh Omar. Um, I can see Mulana and Zahir Uddin had a comment, please. You're welcome. Uh, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh, this uh, idea of ijtihad uh, fa'akhta, this is a uh, Totally wrong. How can be? Uh, how can somebody is uh, right against the nas? Uh, uh, if there is a nas, uh, like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, when He revealed His Quran, He did not say that the Sahaba they are above the law and they, they is not comply on Sahaba, like Allah says, don't do Saraka, don't do like um, uh, Zina and don't do Qatar to each other, like and also these all ayah. Uh, Allah did not say that this will apply when all Sahaba will die and the uh, when the Tabi'een start coming then we will apply on them. So before this, there is, it has no, the, the only Sahaba has to read Quran and they are above the law. That's it. This is not the right way. Actually, um, if Sahabi do the wrong uh, and he he's also uh, has to be brought up uh, to the law. This is what I'm saying. Hey, Jafar, I know the, the conversation has become much um, an internal Sunni conversation, you know, but would you like to make any comments here um, or anything you would like to add in light of the discussion which we've had so far? But please, un- 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 microphone, please, Sayyidah. Yes, thank you. Actually, um, there is a, you know, a topic in fiqh that fiqh al-bughat or fiqh al Many scholars, I think, many Sunni scholars uh, depended on the Battle of Jamal and Battle of Sufin to derive how could we deal with the those who are considered Bari in the Quran. This means that uh, this or these uh, what happened after the Prophet وآله, uh, took it, its uh, appropriate place in. in um, in, in fiqh and in, in general. I think also Ibn Taymiyyah, one of those that who, who said, uh, if we don't uh, if we d- d- don't understand what Imam Ali السلام, did in these battles, so we don't know anything about the fiqh of Bari in, in, uh, in, uh, in Islam. So I think this is a very important. What I want to add actually uh, is that our stance today, this is the, the, the main uh, the the important issue we are we are um, studying and we are uh, arguing in the history not to live there we want to derive the history to uh, to, to our our time actually we have two uh, verses of quran that we all recite uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says two twice in surah al-baqarah 
تلك أمة قد خلت لها ما كسبت ولكم ما كسبتم ولا تسألون عما كانوا يعملون So uh, our responsibility, what's our responsibility? This is the important matter. So we are studying uh, the history in order to derive a, a lesson. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Yusuf. So we have to derive lessons from the history. So what we are going, uh, we are doing today is also is to, to reach maybe a, a kind of Um, agreement uh, on on some important issue in order to build on them to uh, to see how could we treat in our problems today uh, for, for example uh, could we um, uh, should we maintain this division in in the history and then we 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 lose actually the future uh, also the the, the the present uh, the, the present moment that we have i think this is the important issue so When we go openly in, our, uh, in the arguments, um, uh, I think also when we go uh, to the uh, common bases, like for example, the, uh, to analyze what was said uh, at that time, to analyze the stances, uh, the solid stances um, uh, written by or told by or narrated by the Um, by the, 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 those who wrote our, our uh, history topics or books. So I think when we uh, rely on what is common between us, I think we can see يعني, some agreements. We have, we have seen some agreements uh, tonight. And I think this is important to build on in order to deal with our, with our issues. This is our responsibility, actually. Asanto. Asanto. Thank you so much. Uh, Say Jafar. Um, so yes, actually, I think there is certainly, despite some of the heat and the tension in the discussion, you know, there certainly is some commonalities which I hope I will, uh, you know, try to draw out as we move forward. Um, but Sheikh Arif, please, if you have a comment or contribution. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for the presentations and the wonderful discussion that followed uh, on. I just want the view of the speakers and and maybe others as well. How far is the sectarian strife that we are experiencing today between the Sunnis and the Shias owed to this battle of Sifin that uh, went uh, historic, that happened historically. And if, if the sectarian strife is owed to a large extent to that particular battle, then is it justifiable then to then seek the mercy of God on Muawiyah after his name, Rabbi Allah Anhu. And then, is it a case that anybody can claim that they've done ijtihad and they were wrong and mistaken? Shouldn't there be a remit of ijtihad in what issues ijtihad can be done? And two, if that's the case, why should the Sunnis shy away from condemning something that was clearly wrong outright. Because if Muawiyah is not called out as being wrong, then of course, as Mufti Farooq pointed out, the Nasibi trend will continue justifying itself through the actions of Muawiyah. And from Khata of Ijtihadi comes naturally the legitimacy of the acts of Muawiyah. So would our speakers like to comment on that? Sayyid Naveed? Jazakallah no. khair, uh, I have said uh, whatever was um, uh, in my mind uh, according to uh, my point of view or the Sunni, representing the Sunni school of thought. So Jazakallah khair, I think if uh, uh, the other scholars, Sayyid Jafar, want to say something about that. Yeah, maybe I'll invite uh, Umar Ramadan to make a comment. Um, you did point to in your view, you said you said it very briefly that you felt this was an act which influenced and ultimately led to the events at, at Karbala. So it seems like you would affirm, you know, affirm um, you know, the initial question of Sheikh Arif that this was an event which has led to subsequent sectarian strife. Um, would you like to elaborate and uh, have you got any thoughts on Sheikh Arif's prompts here? Uh, yeah, I think what Sheikh Arif highlighted uh, There needs to be a, a limit in regards to, to the premises of when is ijtihad valid or not valid? Uh, in which areas can we do ijtihad in? And to be honest, that's actually been done by our Sunni Usuliyun. They've clearly stated 
which uh, Molana Muhammad Zahir Sahib uh, mentioned earlier, that anything which contradicts the nas of the Quran or the Hadith, that ijtihad is invalid. Another point is, whenever an ijtihad is done, the Sunni point out a view that the, the person doing the ijtihad must announce that this is my ijtihad. So the question to ask is, when did Muawi announce that this was my ijtihad? That I'm going to fight, I'm going to lead a rebellious, a rebellion army to fight Amir al-Mu'mineen uh, that killed thousands of people, that was the, in, divided the Muslim world. And for 1400 years, we are reaping the fruits uh, of that division, unfortunately. Uh, so I think it's extremely important we have more discussion around this um, because within Ahl al-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, if we are not open, and this isn't about pleasing anyone from the Shia side with all due respect, the underlying factor is if we do not come out and say that Muawiyah was wrong ultimately and what he did led directly to what happened to Imam Hassan al-Mujtaba, who is the fifth Khalifa, who is the fifth you know, Khalifa, that is another injustice we do. We only say four Khalifa. There's no four Khalifa. Imam Hassan has to be added in order for the Khalifa to be completed. The 30 years, his six months must be added. And then what happened to Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam in Karbala? If we are not open and we're not adamant that uh, Yazid was groomed, for example, by Muawiyah in, in, into this place, and we're not, we're not brave enough to do that, then what happens is this Nasbi trend uh, you know, will continue to grow within Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So I think we have to be very frank. It's not about, again, let me repeat that point. It's not about cursing and swearing. We've established cursing and swearing amongst both schools, Sunni and Shia, they call it haram. It's not allowed to curse or swear any of the Sahaba or any of the senior people from both sides. The issue is regarding is, is there any legitimacy in what Muawiyah did against Imam Ali? Is there any legitimacy that does like like the the beloved brother said earlier what is the sharia view why is it for example what we said if somebody rebels against abu bakr and umar radiallahu anhuma then we are we, we you know we we tear the uh, <laughs> we make a big hoo-ha about it you know how dare you question umar radiallahu anhu how dare you question a siddiq but why is it when people rise and fought and kill people supporters of Imam Ali, we silent and we try to bring this Husni Dhan. I think it's a very big intellectual dishonesty. Um, Sheikh Ayman Yaqub, please, you're just on yes, mute. I am. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I was talking and I was on mute. One. Very much welcome your contribution and comments on the discussion so far. Uh, I mean, like, a lot has been said, so I will, I'll, I'll briefly just make two points. Um, the first one is, yes, there is, there is like, you know, we, we cannot say that uh, both uh, Sayyidina Ali and Muawiyah did ishtihad, one was right and one was wrong, because of the sahih of the hadith of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, taqtuluhu al al Yes, we cannot remove the term al-baghiyah as a description provided by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Even the attempt that remotely from uh, some of uh, Ahlul Sunnah to say that was in reference to uh, Sayyidina Ali sending Ammar to some of the Khawarij. No, it's not because the hadith was talking about the, the battle and there was no battle uh, to like it, in this context, uh, like regarding Al Khawarij. So, but the, the other point is describing someone as Baghi in no way justifies describing them as Kafir or someone who deserves hellfire. As in, in Islam, Al Baghi is still a Mu'min, even fi Qital Ahlil Bugha in Fiqh, a Baghi is still a Muslim. And even if they are killed in a battle, al-bira, as, as, as in fiqh, uh, they, they get, uh, like, you know, uh, um, they, they get to be washed and buried as Muslims. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's going to judge them about that. So th these are my, my two only points is that, yes, those who fought Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, they were baghi. We cannot go around the sahih of the hadith of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But 
we cannot go further than this and describe them to be to be kafir. And one just side point to this is in ahkamul fiqh and ahkamul sharia in Islam, there is what we call a shubha. So, for example, if someone is a treasurer and then they steal from the money that they would in, were entrusted with. They're like, you know, that the hukm of sariqah does not apply in that case. The reason for that is there is a shubha because they were entrusted with the money that they took it with the intention not to steal it, but maybe return it later. So I would say in that case is that even if we like can refute the claim of Muawiyah that he was after the, the blood of Sayyidina Uthman, but there was this shubha, it, it remained there. Even as a slight shubha, yeah, that uh, there was an intention that this was all because of the blood of Sayyidina Uthman. So, Bagha is there, yeah, so Al-Baghi, Afwan, Baghi is there, Kufr is not there, they remain Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ta'ifatani min al-mu'mineen. I hope uh, that I, I, I made my point clear. Jazakumullahu khairan. A very, very useful contribution, um, Sheikh Ayman, which allows me actually to turn a question to Sayyid Jafar. Um, so Sayyid Jafar, we've talked a lot with about the implications of understanding Muawiyah's position uh, amongst the Ahl Sunnah. But if we're seeing the Imam Ali's stance, you know, um, against those who stood against him at Jamal and Sifin becomes a model for dealing with um, Bughat. Okay, then is this something which the Shia haven't took as seriously when they then accuse the likes of Muawiyah of Kufr? Okay, because Imam Ali's own, how did Imam Ali treat those who he fought against in terms of their rights as Muslims? Would you like to comment on this? Is there something you, you know, can elaborate? Actually, I'll, uh, I'll share you a quote of... Uh, in Najul Balagha, which is a quote in uh, Sad and Safin, which uh, reflects or reveal the the uh, morality of Imam Ali with those. Actually, he um, he is very uh, delicate. We know that Imam Ali, um, and he is very um, serious um, to um, criticize any uh, deviation from the standards of Islam, even in the battle. Uh, we know one of the quotes in Nahjul Balagha, وَقَدْ سَمِعَ قَوْمًا مِنْ أَصْحَابِهِ يَسُبُّونَ أَهْلَ الشَّامِ they, they were cursing the, uh, those who uh, were with Muawiyah, of course. And they, they were in battle. And we know that we have the side which is the side of the Haq and the side of the Baghi. Anyway, he said, uh, I hate that you curse uh, those people. If you describe their uh, stance uh, and the, uh, if you describe maybe their, their actions. This is the correct saying. This is the excuse for you. Uh, this is an important quote. And you say, you say instead of this, So he was giving actually a, a very uh, يعني, deep lesson in how the, the, uh, the leader of Islam acts with, with acts with, with others, even uh, with those who, who are considered transgressors uh, uh, who, who came against him and they have personal desires and they want maybe so to split from the central authority of Islam or maybe to have an independence <coughs> against the unity of, of the state of Islam. And this is very dangerous. I think the, the, the important uh, uh, issue that we must be aware of is that we are talking about 30 years after, about 30 years after the prophets passing away. And this, this, uh, this stage of our history is very critical for the future. I think some of the stances, if we don't go deeper and uh, understand the real, uh, uh, the real 
um, stances that uh, was was take was uh, was taking place at that time. We we may do not understand why Islam is is nowadays uh, amongst us. Maybe at that time, though the people was very near to Jahiliya. They were very very near to the tribal conflicts or flutes. Uh, so according to this, if Imam Ali, uh, maybe uh, regarding the political game, he gave he 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 established a compromise with Muawiyah. Uh, without, without some of the Sahaba or some of uh, uh, some of people around Imam Ali said to him, "Leave Muawiyah and, and Sham, and then he will strengthen your your stance, maybe in your uh, authority and whatever." He said um, some of the quotes. I don't remember now uh, specifically, but Allah Subhanahu wa Taala ma kuntu al-mudillina So he was giving a lesson. Not only he was directing or, or leading a, a battle against the transgressor, he was giving a lesson for us nowadays because who do not understand, uh, um, who doesn't understand the history, he doesn't understand the, uh, the real life nowadays. Uh, I, I want only to stress on, on a, certain, a small point here. The, the, the idea of wrong ishtihad, actually, it's equal to closing fire. So we, we take a rest and we don't, uh, we don't uh, go to, uh, to deep understanding. So we close the file, everybody radiallahu anhu, and no problem in that. It's not a matter of putting some, uh, sending someone to hell or some uh, others to, to uh, heaven. It is the, the, the history influences, or let me say, the, the understanding of the history influences the uh, way we deal with, uh, with our, our real life nowadays. Uh, the individuals, we may say, if we, if we understand, for example, that the stance of Muawiyah, even, he, uh, even if he was a Sahabi, um, um, he, he converted to Islam before two years, uh, from the death, uh, from the passing away of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, even he wa if he was Sahabi, he could be uh, wrong and he could uh, follow his desires and he could oppose the, the Khalifa. Nowadays, how could we understand the stances of individuals that we face? Someone, we, someone nowadays claims that he, is, he represents the Islam, he, he represents maybe the Khilafah. So how we deal with this? We, we, we only say, okay, you claim that, okay, we will say radiallahu anka. This is, I think, uh, it, is a, it is an issue of understanding the history, not to send anybody to hell or heaven, but to understand the, our stance, our responsibility nowadays. This is Just very, very briefly on that point, were those who died on the side of Muawiyah given the rights of being a Muslim in terms of their burial? Yes, when we I say Bugat, you know, when we say Bugat, uh, this is the the uh, the uh, very clear uh, verse of Quran. And we have narrated that uh, saying of Imam Ali in Safin. So there is a this, let me say distinction between the stance of Muawiyah himself and some of his. Uh, maybe followers like Amr ibn al-As uh, and uh, the stance of other people, you know. Even the Khawarij, he said, Imam Ali, لا تقاتل الخوارج من بعد فإنه ليس من طلب الحق فأخطأ كمن طلب الباطل فأصابه. He was, man, he was meaning that Muawiyah طلب الباطل فأصابه. So there is a distinction. I think this is the importance of uh, going deeper uh, in, in understanding the history it gives us this kind of distinction between the whole scheme that we have we had in, in the history and this will be very useful for us uh, thank you so much thank you so much Sheikh Arif briefly as I tried very very briefly this is very intriguing and uh, alhamdulillah the broad-mindedness that has been shown by both sides however for a future discussion what if Imam Ali was killed in that battle by Muawiyah's forces? What would be therefore the position of the Bugat then? Similar to the one in the case of Imam Hussein. Imam Hussein was killed. What is the position of Yazid and the people who killed Imam Hussein? 
And then, of course, a very sensitive issue. Abu Bakr Baghdadi, he claims to be, well, he claimed to be a Khalifa. A lot of people followed him. Can he be justified through Khata Ijtihadi? And what is the status of people like that and his followers and the people that they kill? Obviously, this is all an offshoot of those theological sort of beliefs that we have about Muawiyah and the Sahaba. Or is there a cutoff point that only Muawiyah and the Sahaba have a right of Khata Ijtihadi, nobody else has it subsequent to them? A lot hinges on this. Maybe we can discuss it at a future date. I think um, Sheikh Arif, Sayyid Jafar, um, in your final comments, and Mufti Farooq earlier on, have uh, emphasized to us that there are many, many implications of these very, very important historical discussions. And so, of course, you know, it wasn't our aim to deal with these things comprehensively. But, um, you know, it is credit to you all, you know, that you allow us to have a forum where we can discuss these things, you know, openly and at least open these topics up, you know, for discussion, you know, across different views and different positions. Nevertheless, I still feel that we have managed to draw out, you know, some um, shared understanding. And um, I'll, I'll very briefly try and summarize those. So we can see clearly there is an agreement, okay, on the core historical narrative, okay, of what occurred, okay, leading up to Safin and during Safin. The Imam Ali, salamallahi alayhi, was duly and rightfully appointed, okay, as Khalif, okay, through the free will of the people. The um, battle which occurred and the various motivations which were pointed to in Muawiyah's revolt in the name of um, seeking retribution for the killing of Uthman, we see despite the various motivations which have been pointed to, yet unambiguously both the Sunni scholars and the Shia scholars present here today have clearly stated that Imam Ali alayhi, was in the correct position, was upon the haqq, as has been described, and that the dominant position amongst the Ahl sunnah despite the discussion that took place, the dominant position amongst the Ahl sunnah is that Muawiyah okay, and those who opposed Imam Ali fall under the category of transgressors okay, and were baghi. Of course, the implications of that are open to be discussed further. We also have clearly agreed, both from those who, um, the Sunni scholars who spoke and the Shia scholars, that despite their revolting against Imam Ali, they were still treated as Muslims. Nevertheless, this revolt must be taken seriously. Its implications must be thought through. And we hope and pray that we have further opportunities to think through those questions together for the sake of our mutual understanding for the sake of the betterment of the Ummah and for the societies in which we all live. Before I finally conclude, and of course, my deepest thanks to the, um, the speakers and all those who have contributed and all those who have listened, we wish to take two more minutes of your time. Okay, this was um, a year that has just passed, which saw with it the loss of a member of the Center for Intramuslim Studies, a founding member of the Center for Intramuslim Studies, Professor Ata'ullah Siddiqui. And in his honor, I ask Sheikh Arif to just mention a few words of honorarium on behalf of Sims. Please, Sheikh Arif. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Indeed, indeed, a great and a profound loss to us all. To Sims, because he was a founding member, as Dr. Ali Raza just mentioned, and a visionary for Sims. To the Muslim world, to the interfaith world, where he initiated so many projects in order to bring about clearer and better understanding of different faiths amongst themselves and to foster cordial relations and to create harmony generally. But on so many occasions when we used to meet in Birmingham, when we used to physically gather at the Sims events, he would say that we need to go beyond scholarly discussions. We need to go on to retreats in which Sunnis and Shias and Shias and Shias and Sunnis and Sunnis can actually sit together for a couple of days spend quality times, quality time with each other, exchanging ideas, seeing each other beyond the labels, sectarian labels. And that I believe is the rightest way to improve the relations and to bring about better understanding and clarity. Of course, he died prematurely and we would have wished for him to have been with us, but the decree of Allah is final and maybe we recount his words and think about his suggestions 
as we move forward and once the uh, pandemic is over, maybe Dr. Bojani can think of working towards a retreat where the scholars can come together for a day or two and share ideas in the memory of our late dear brother, Professor Ataullah Siddiqui. With that, I ask us all to recite a Surah Fatiha for his beloved soul, Al-Fatiha.